Science starts with the words, I don't know. When we admit that, we can start to unravel the mysteries of the universe. Are we alone? Will we settle other worlds? How will we survive climate change? What will humanity look like in a thousand years? Join the greatest science minds and me, Dustin Driver, as we go through the unknown. She can punch through interstellar dreadnoughts like they were tissue paper, fire photon blasts that vaporize steel, and propel herself across the galaxy. She's the most powerful superhero in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, and the science behind her powers is nothing short of spectacular. This is the first in a miniseries I'm calling Superhero Science, an exploration of the science behind the superpowers of our favorite heroes. First up is Captain Marvel, the hero we've all been waiting for. Carol Danvers dominated our hearts and minds and the box office this March with her movie debut. Set in a nostalgia-packed 1990s Earth, it tells the story of how a smart, adventurous, and tough-as-nails Danvers embraces her passion and becomes an intergalactic superhero. I won't give too much away, but Danvers completely demolishes her teacher-turned-arch-nemesis, delivering a devastating blow to the patriarchy and its fear of female emotion and power. Hell yes. Oh, and there's also some not-so-subtle stabs at technological colonialism and militarism. I could go on about how the techno-empire of Cree and the shape-shifting refugee scrolls mirrors countless conflicts between the British and U.S. empires and, well, everywhere else, but this is a science show. And on to the science. In the MCU's Captain Marvel, Carol Danvers is a kick-ass fighter jet pilot testing a faster-than-light, or FTL, aircraft. We learn that the FTL drive was created by an alien masquerading as a human. Dr. Marvell of the Cree. Marvell is supposedly developing the drive to help the Cree track down and murder the Skrull. But she's secretly helping the Skrull and plans to turn the FTL drive over to them so they can zoom off to safety. Danvers and Marvell are shot down by Cree during a test of the FTL drive. To keep the Cree from getting their hands on the tech, Danvers blasts it to smithereens. She gets caught in the blast, which imbues her with superpowers and erases her memory. Marvell dies in the crash, and the attacking Kree take Danvers back to their home planet to train her as one of their own. So it turns out that the FTL drive was created using one of the Infinity Stones, the Space Stone, which was trapped in a power cube called the Tesseract. Now, a Tesseract is of course something entirely different in our universe, but we'll get into that in other episodes. In the Marvel Universe, the Infinity Stones are remnants of the singularity that existed before the Big Bang. So they contain the fundamental forces of the universe, and that gives them unimaginable power. Danvers apparently absorbed a significant amount of the Space Stone's power, and it made her super badass. According to the writer, she is the most powerful superhero in the MCU, even stronger and more powerful than Thor or the Hulk. So what kind of powers did the Space Stone give her? Danvers' main power seems to be generating and harnessing photon blasts. Now, we didn't get an extended scientific breakdown of what exactly they are, but we can infer quite a bit from the name. Photons are packets of light or electromagnetic energy. Lasers are made of photons and so are microwaves. 
In fact, radio waves, microwaves, infrared, visible light, ultraviolet, X-rays, and even gamma rays are all considered part of the electromagnetic spectrum. At first, we see Danvers using her photon blasts to, well, blast stuff. In one of the earliest scenes in the movie, she gets pissed and blasts her punk-ass trainer across the room. She keeps on blasting jerks throughout the movie, but is it possible to blast a full-grown human across the room with nothing but photons? The short answer is not really. But light can move objects. How? Light has no mass, and acceleration is force times mass. While light is massless, it does travel at an incredible speed. The fastest known speed, in fact. That means that photons carry momentum, and they can transfer that momentum to objects. Because of that, they can exert force on objects. In physics, it's called optical force, and it can move all kinds of stuff. In a lab, at tiny scales. Biologists use something called laser tweezers to manipulate microscopic cells and cell organelles. Physicists can also use precise lasers to move around single atoms. And way back in 2010, scientists at the Australian National University in Canberra used lasers to move particles more than a meter. They created tiny laser light tunnels that transported microscopic glass spheres coated with carbon. It works by shining a hollow laser beam around small glass particles. The air around the particles heats up, but the hollow center of the beam stays cool. The heated air molecules keep the object balanced in the dark center, but a small amount of the light sneaks into the hollow tube, warming the air on one side of the object and nudging it along the length of the laser beam. They were able to change the speed and direction of the glass object by changing the laser's brightness. And right now, there's a physicist named David Greer at the New York University who's working with NASA to build a laser tractor beam. That sounds pretty cool, and, well, it really is. So far, he's created laser tunnels that can move tiny objects several meters. NASA hopes the tech could one day be used by rovers to collect soil samples from asteroids, moons, and even planets. Optical force could also be used to send spaceships to distant solar systems. Way back in the 1920s, Russian scientist Konstantin Tsiolkovsky dreamed up the solar sail. These giant reflective sails could capture sunlight and use it to sail off into space. Scientists refined the concept, and in 1976, the Jet Propulsion Laboratory drew up plans for a solar sail that could rendezvous with Halley's Comet. The modern designs are micro-thin sails several kilometers across. The sails would unfold in outer space after launch. A giant laser, probably on the moon or a large asteroid, would blast the sail until the craft reached a tremendous speed, up to one-half the speed of light. Then the craft would turn around as it approached the destination solar system and use the approaching star's light to slow down. It's an elegant form of space travel, and some estimate it to be more efficient than anything else we can do right now. And also, Captain Sisko and his son Jake of Star Trek Deep Space Nine once built a solar sail vehicle for a school project. Best father-son school project ever. All of that is amazing, but also pretty lame when you compare it to what Danvers can do. 
Her dazzling photon blast can hurl a 90-kilogram man three meters through the air. Given what we know about optical force, is that even possible? Danvers could create a giant version of the Australian tractor beam. Her blast could create a light tunnel with a hot spot of air within that could push her attackers away. But at that scale, the heat may be so intense that her attackers would be completely incinerated. She could also just use optical pressure alone, but again, this would probably vaporize her target. See, solar sails and other light-propelled objects are reflective. Most people aren't. They absorb light and heat up. The amount of light Danvers would need to generate to move a man would instantly turn him into plasma. Super awesome, but not exactly what we saw in the movie. So, there must be something else going on. Let's assume that Danvers has access to more than just the visible spectrum of light. If she can use radio waves, microwaves, and infrared, she would have more control over her photon blasts. Back in 2002, an aeronautical engineer named Narayanan Komarath at the Georgia Institute of Technology figured out that radio waves can be used to move brick-sized objects in space. So here's how it works. Several satellites with super-powerful radio transmitters could harness solar energy and then generate radio wave blasts. Radio waves, like all waves in the electromagnetic spectrum, impart some force on objects. With several super-powerful transmitters, it would be possible to position building materials in space. Komarath estimates that it would take insane amounts of power to do it, but it should work. In fact, the tech could be used to build giant space stations without any astronauts being involved. Scaled-down versions using microwaves could also work for smaller projects. But again, this is in space, where the force of gravity is very small or non-existent. On Earth, gravity would be enough to counteract any force generated by radio waves or microwaves. So Danvers could easily move objects in space using light, radio waves, or microwaves. She could create a light tube tractor beam on Earth, but it would vaporize her attackers. But there's still one super important and powerful part of the electromagnetic spectrum we haven't explored. Electromagnetism. If Danvers can create and control magnetic energy, then hurling a guy across the room would be child's play. Even if her attacker wasn't made of metal, it would be totally doable. Iron, as we know, is magnetic. It's paramagnetic, which means it's attracted to magnetic fields. But many materials can be diamagnetic, or repelled by magnetic fields. You see, almost every atom is surrounded by a swarm of negatively charged electrons. Most of the time, they don't interact with magnetic fields. But if the field is strong enough, they will. The electrons rearrange their orbits slightly, creating small currents that oppose the external magnetic field. Most materials are diamagnetic, including water. And guess what jerks are mostly made of? That's right, water. If Danvers can generate a super-powerful electromagnetic field, she can fling a jerk into outer space. In fact, scientists have used powerful magnetic fields to levitate a frog. Researchers at Radebound University in the Netherlands used a 16-Tesla magnet to levitate a tiny frog. 
Now that's a tremendously powerful magnet. It's about a thousand times stronger than a fridge magnet and more than 10 times as powerful as the magnet in a typical MRI. So Danvers would need to generate a magnetic force that's probably greater than anything humanity has ever seen just to fling a guy across the room. But it's possible. Of course, this raises a ton of other interesting questions. Like, if a magnetic field can fling non-metal objects, then WTF is up with Magneto. He really needs to step up his game because technically even a plastic cage shouldn't be able to hold him. Also, it means that Danvers would totally own anything made of metal, easily. If Danvers could generate and manipulate anything in the electromagnetic spectrum, she could also use X-rays and gamma rays, which could get really nasty. If the MCU were a darker universe, I could imagine a spin-off movie about the bystanders who got cancer from Captain Marvel's photon blasts in New York. If, for instance, she wasn't able to quite control them at first, stray X-rays and gamma rays would be flying everywhere. Gamma rays and X-rays, like other forms of harmful radiation, easily penetrate clothing and skin. At higher energies, they can tear apart DNA, causing cancer or just straight-up killing cells. High doses of gamma rays can cause nausea, hair loss, and hemorrhaging. Very high doses are instantly lethal. Yeah. Don't ever piss off Carol Danvers. Ever. At any rate, later in the movie we see Danvers doing all sorts of awesome things as full-on Captain Marvel. She's wrapped in dazzling flames and sparks, and she zips through space at incredible speeds. Given what we know about the electromagnetic spectrum, all these things could be possible, given enough energy and the ability to control it. But there's one final question I have about Captain Marvel. How fast could she travel through space? Given that she can create and manipulate light, we could reason that she'd be able to get very close to the speed of light. But because she has mass, she would never be able to actually reach it. And at 99% the speed of light, she'd experience time differently than us. Basically, the faster you go, the slower you experience time relative to someone at rest. At 99% the speed of light, one of Captain Marvel's days would seem like seven days to us. This is called time dilation. If she were to go any faster, the effects of time dilation would be even greater. At 0.999999% the speed of light, one of Captain Marvel's days would seem like two years to us here on Earth. So, nerd alert! This time dilation effect could easily explain why it took so long for Danvers to get back to Earth after Thanos snapped his fingers. If she were really far away, the signal from Fury's pager would take a while to reach her, even at the speed of light. And it would take her even more time to get back. But to Danvers, it would seem like she was gone for only a few weeks. This would also explain why everyone else aged about 25 years while Danvers remains the same age. Now, I know for a fact that Marvel has a great team of science advisors, so I'm sure they thought of all of this and even more. And Marvel has always been very science geeky. Many of its main heroes were scientists before they started saving the world. There's Tony Stark, Iron Man, Bruce Banner, the Hulk, Peter Parker, Spider-Man, Hank Pym, Ant-Man, 
Reed Richards, Mr. Fantastic, and a ton of other characters who are all scientists. On a side note, Marvel, can we get some more female scientist superheroes? I mean, come on. Well, that's it for this episode. You can learn more about Captain Marvel at your local independent movie theater. You can learn more about me at my website, dustindriver.com. You can subscribe to the podcast through Apple, Google Play, or Podbean. Hit that subscribe button and give me a review. It really helps. Thanks for listening, and join me next time as we continue through the unknown.